Asked. The Holy Gospel according to John, the third chapter. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The Gospel of the Lord. Be seated. I had a patient not too long ago, a 30-year-old man who had a stroke. Now, this wasn't one of your high-risk people. He wasn't overweight. He didn't drink excessively. He didn't smoke. Honestly, he was in relatively good health. But one day he got up, he showered, and he got dressed. He wasn't feeling so great, so instead of driving himself, he asked his wife to drive him to work. He worked construction, and a couple hours into his day, his boss noticed that something just wasn't quite right and told him he should go see a doctor and send him home. Well, unfortunately, he was a terribly stubborn person, and instead of going home, or instead of going to the hospital, he just went home and took a nap most of the rest of the day. It wasn't until the next day when he could hardly move, crawling actually on the floor because he couldn't walk anymore, still insisting actually that he needed to go to work, telling his wife, you need to drive me to work, that she got him into the car and instead thankfully took him to the emergency department and the stroke was diagnosed. I saw him in what we call the post-acute stage, meaning he was medically stable but was going to need extensive rehab to get back whatever he could and back to his life. Now, his family was really involved and rarely left his side, especially his mother. When I first met him, he could hardly speak, really only able to say yes and no, but most often just using gestures to communicate. His entire right side couldn't move. He could ha- couldn't roll in bed without help, much less try to sit at the edge of the bed or stand or walk. Because he couldn't swallow without choking, he had to get his nutrients through a feeding tube. 
You felt awful for this family. For weeks and weeks, they sat at his bedside as he made very slow progress. I remember them being incredibly aware of any movement that he made, looking for signs of improvement. Now, if you've never seen somebody who's had a stroke, it's really common, especially in the first weeks, that there's sometimes sporadic, uncontrolled, unintentional movements. It might be the flutter of fingers, or the waving of a hand, or the forearm lifting up off the bed, or the ankles kicking. And as quickly as it's there, it's gone. But this family, every single time that one of these kind of spastic movements would occur, would cheer and clap and say, do it again, do it again, which of course he couldn't. He moved, he moved, they would tell doctors and nurses and therapists who came into the room clinging to any sign, any hope of recovery. The family, like so many others, were looking for signs of healing, signs of movement, signs that things would get back to normal. And they stood on a razor's edge, just waiting and hoping and praying for another one of these signs. The tension in that room was palpable. The anxiety and hope and fear in that room were noticeable to any who entered. This family, like so many others, clung to every sign, hoping against hope that this was the moment things would change. In today's gospel, we meet a man looking for signs. Nicodemus is a Pharisee and possibly a member of the Jewish ruling council. He has power and wealth. He has influence. And he comes to Jesus at night. Under the cover of darkness, he sneaks away from prying eyes to speak to this Jesus of Nazareth. Now, I think this is pretty important to recognize, especially as we get towards the end of Lent and Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday. John's gospel does not treat what he calls the Jews very well. In fact, passages from John's gospel have been used as cover to commit atrocities against Jewish people out of, misunder out of a misunderstanding about what John is talking about. But John does cast what he calls the Jews in a negative light. So we might expect this encounter with this Nicodemus to follow the same pattern. And based on our knowledge of the Gospels, right, what happens when religious leaders come to Jesus? It's usually to question him or to trap him or to find some cause against him to have him arrested. And so we're looking for the same pattern here at the start of John's third chapter. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. Interestingly, in John's gospel, every time he says that somebody comes to somebody, it's almost always to refer to people coming to give allegiance or to express faith. So that's kind of weird, right? This Jew, this leader of the Jews is coming to Jesus. Not what we, ex not what we expect. The text gives us no reason to doubt Nicodemus' sincerity. He truly believes in Jesus and he wants to know more. He wants to know that what he is seeing in these signs around Jesus are pointing to what he already expects, that this Jesus might be the Messiah. In fact, we'll actually see Nicodemus return two more times in John's Gospel. So right from the start, John is hinting that Nicodemus might actually believe in Jesus, but out of fear isn't able to do so openly. And he comes to Jesus at night. This is also a little interesting. In John's gospel, every other time something is said to occur at night, it's negative. 
Judas departs from the group to betray Jesus at night. The disciples try going fishing at night but can't catch anything. Night, is, Jesus says, is when people are unable to do the works of God. Night or darkness causes people to stumble in faith because there's no light in them. People from John's prologue love the darkness more than the light. Walking in darkness is, some, is cast as the opposite of following Jesus, and not having faith in Jesus in John's gospel is like living in darkness. So right from the start, our expectations suggest that this could be a religious leader trying to question or trap Jesus and coming, him, coming to him in the setting of darkness and night. Instead, our expectations are turned upside down right from that first sentence. Nicodemus then begins by recognizing Jesus as one who has come from God, but he places his trust in this statement on the signs Jesus has been performing. Nicodemus wants physical proof. He wants to see signs that Jesus is doing, the things that Jesus is doing are proof of him coming from God. For Nicodemus, faith doesn't start with trust and faith. It begins with seeing miracles performed and taking those as proof that what the person is doing must have some special favor or power from God. Maybe you and I aren't all that different from Nicodemus. Living in this age, 2,000 years after Jesus' death, we too might look for signs. Faith or belief in God, belief in Jesus, belief in the work of the Holy Spirit in our world isn't all that easy. Our world and our lives are filled with so much sin and brokenness. We see it every day in the newspaper, TV, and on our social media feeds. It's just so insidious and deep in our culture, this amount of sin and brokenness. And when it wears on us, when we feel like we can't hardly take any more of the brokenness or sin in our world, we too, with Nicodemus, start looking for signs. So anytime something good happens, anytime something right happens, some, something kind happens, we grasp onto it and want to call it proof of God. The, faith, the mistake we make is thinking that faith has its grounding in evidence. We so desperately want to look at the sin and brokenness and death in our world and find evidence for God, but Jesus reorients Nicodemus' thinking. Do you want to see the kingdom of God? Do you want to enter into God's kingdom? Then you must be born from above. You must be born of water and spirit. All right, so here's where things get a little murky in what Jesus is saying. The word Jesus says is, he says, you must be born Onothen. The Greek word is onothen. And it has a double meaning. This word can either mean again, you must be born again, or it can mean from above, you must be born from above. So it's cool, right? Jesus is telling Nicodemus that in order to see the kingdom of God, something has to change. Something in you and through you and around you has to be transformed. And Jesus likens it to birth. Just as an infant enters this world, you have to be reborn from above into the kingdom of God. As infants, we enter through flesh and body, and that doesn't change. God loves us in these bodies and in this fleshiness. But there is also something that needs to be transformed if we're going to experience the kingdom. And Jesus calls this being born from above or being born of water and spirit. So the first thing that should jump into our minds, right, is our baptism. 
through water and spirit. You and I are joined with Christ's death and resurrection. This isn't something we can see or touch or taste or smell. Being born of water and spirit is an internal transformation that gets lived out externally in the world. Jesus points Nicodemus away from signs and tallies and turns his attention inward at the state of his heart and his relationship to God in the world. Faith isn't based on evidence or proof. Heaven is not some faraway place, Jesus says. God's kingdom is real and tangible And that can be experienced right now in faith through rebirth in water and spirit. When we enter into a relationship with God through faith in Jesus, we begin to see the world as God sees it. So instead of collecting evidence and proof through things we call miracles or signs, we begin to be open to the ways that God confronts sin and brokenness in our world. Jesus is showing us that faith begins in relationship. When we're baptized You and I enter into the community of faith and are claimed by God. But a relationship, like we talked about on Ash Wednesday, must be tended. We engage in worship and prayer and song, communion and daily spiritual practices to tend to that relationship with God and Jesus. Jesus is revealing in this story that our relationship with God is not so different. It takes work, it takes effort, but in the end, is worth it. By tending to our relationship with God through faith in Jesus, we start to catch glimpses of God's kingdom. We see relationships mended. We see people taken in and cared for. We see communities rise up together to face challenges. We see the broken and the hurting receive care. We see those who have experienced the death of someone they love receive comfort. The kingdom of God is alive and active in our world. Jesus is telling Nicodemus and you and me that heaven isn't just about some place you go when you die. Heaven or the kingdom of God is about life and how you live it right now as we tend to our relationship with Christ through prayer and worship and good works. We experience that kingdom right now. So like I said, Nicodemus will be mentioned two more times in the Gospel of John and each time it's an indication that maybe What Jesus is trying to tell him here took root and that Nicodemus began a journey of faith rather than proof. In chapter 7, Nicodemus will challenge his fellow Pharisees as they attempt to arrest and condemn Jesus. And then in chapter 19, Nicodemus will join Joseph of Arimathea and help with Jesus' burial, anointing Jesus' body with oil and spices. We don't know if he got it right away, In today's text, did you notice how there's this exchange back and forth and then Nicodemus just kind of slips away without mention as Jesus keeps talking? But something was planted that night. Something changed in that darkness. Nicodemus began the journey of a transformed life lived through faith in the Spirit. You and I too are invited on that same journey of faith and we might not be able to provide proof or evidence for what we believe, but through a relationship with God in Jesus, we become participants in the kingdom. Through the work of the Spirit, our lives are transformed to kingdom people, people living outward towards God's reign in all the world, in love and service towards our neighbor. Thanks be to God. Amen.